When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and I got my co-host, Matt, here with me as per usual. Matt, the New York Jets were on a bye this week. We did not have a game to react and overreact, really, to uh, this past weekend. However, the Jets are in a good position with the way the results shipped out. The Vikings were able to take down the Buffalo Bills. The Jets, if they win on Sunday against the Patriots, will be in first place in the AFC East. What a time to be alive. I cannot believe that we are in this position. But for now, and for this week in particular, that's not our concern. Instead, we are going to look ahead towards the end of the year and specifically the NFL draft. Handful of positions that the New York Jets might be interested in with the way they've been playing this year. Uh, definitely a change from years past. They don't have too many glaring needs, and it's really going to be more filling in depths. Uh, filling in the last few holes around this roster to really get them competitive. And we'll see how things shake out at the end of the year, where their draft slot ultimately lies, where they have their first pick and the rest throughout the uh, draft order. But for right now, just a little overarching preview of the class, preview of some important positions. Let's jump right into it, Matt. I'm going to let you go ahead and start off with your first guy here. Go ahead and tell me what school, what position, and why that position might be a need. All right. Uh, let's just start with linebacker. Or, you know what? No, sorry. Let's go with tech. We're going to start with maybe possibly the biggest need. Um, we might have differing op opinions on this. Uh, we have seen our tackle depth uh, really tested this year with tackle after tackle just going out with injury. Uh, and it's shown, showing that it's, it's a real need going forward, especially at left tackle. Uh, we still have Becton and Max Mitchell, uh, who I think will be competing next year for the right tackle spot. Uh, and then that kind of leaves a, a big question mark at left tackle. Uh, Brown is under contract, uh, but who knows? He's got the shoulder injury. Uh, maybe he elects for uh, some kind of treatment over the summer that maybe keeps him out. Maybe we just try, uh, we eventually move on. Um, who knows? So that's a question mark. I don't believe Fant will be back. Uh, I think we move on from him. So where do we do, where do we go? I think that no matter what, JD and Sala, they're going to want some kind of vet presence at left tackle uh, to start at least. Uh, so whether that means Brown comes back or we get somebody else, I, I believe that we'll have somebody in place uh, for week one. So that kind of lessens the need for a for a left tackle very early. We don't need somebody that can maybe start right away or that needs to start right away. Uh, so I'm going to start to look towards the middle rounds, uh, towards 
some guys like Max Mitchell, who, who can maybe get a year to, although Max Mitchell didn't get a year, and he still looked pretty good. Uh, but a guy that can really just sit, learn, and grow. Uh, and that brings me to my guy, uh, the left tackle from North Carolina State. Uh, he's really come on strong. His name is Sim Richards. Uh, he, uh, North Carolina, not North Carolina State. Uh, he's a three-year starter. And I feel, feel like he's one of the most natural pass blockers uh, I've seen so far. Uh, the way he fluidly moves. Uh, counters don't phase him. He mirrors so well. Uh, he swallows up defenders uh, that try to test him with their bull rush. Uh, he's he's got great length. Uh, he's not the biggest guy at six four, uh, but he's got some some solid heft to, in his base uh, to anchor if need be. Uh, and he's fleet of foot. He can really uh, hang with with the speed rushers to the outside. Uh, he he looks for work when there's when he doesn't have somebody assigned to him. Uh, he's really smooth when picking up stunts and twists uh, on uh, pulls. You can see his athleticism kicking. Uh, he's very he's very fluid and moves very well on the move. Uh, my one complaint is that he's kind of raw when it comes to run blocking. Uh, you can tell when he gets to the second level or when he's pulling that he sometimes needs a uh, a little bit more time to to really suss out who he should be targeting uh and sometimes he doesn't get the the most square blocks on on these uh on these plays uh so this is something that he will need to work on uh but the pass blocking is there it's solid it's uh it's already very well developed uh i can see just using that as a baseline and developing from there and i think a year uh behind a brown or somebody else would do him well and uh, i think that he would come out swinging in year two and could possibly be our starting left tackle going forward yeah i agree i i like richards a lot um seeing his tape over the past couple of days getting ready for this episode and i'm gonna echo everything you said he's really smooth in his movements which is nice he plays very controlled he doesn't seem like he's you know fighting too hard or having to fire out of his stance to to match people around the edge. He's able to keep the same pace, keep the same movements, stay on light on his feet. The undersized with him, I think, is going to be kind of his biggest downfall. As 6'4", 315, you know, definitely wouldn't be small by anyone's normal definitions, but this is the NFL and we're talking about linemen here. And 6'4", 315, if you have the strength to kind of match it up, I think that's where he's a little lacking is like you were talking about in his run blocking, it's latching on and staying maintained. I also thought in his pass blocking, he was anchor was a little bit suspect to me and that he was, if guys got into his chest, it was hard for him to kind of get his feet dug in the ground and plant and really set and stay where he is and stop that power. But outside of that, the technique is very well refined. He's a three-year starter, which is always really nice to see. His numbers statistically have gotten better every year he's been a starter, so there's improvement there as well. And he had talked, I had uh, read quotes from an interview he had a little bit earlier today where he was talking about North Carolina got a new offensive line coach this past year, and what their new offensive line coach really taught them is to have an uh, aggressive mindset and not be passive when blocking. You know, we talk about that all the time, Matt. Pass blocking isn't passive. And just because it sounds like it, you have you're trying to play, you know, defending someone or stopping someone from trying to get to your quarterback. You can do that in a variety of ways. And being the aggressor is a good way to do that as well. 
And I think we're seeing from Richards this year where he's taken more of those opportunities to get in people's chest, being a little riskier, knowing, trusting his technique, trusting in his awareness, and he's striking people early and he's latching on and they're not going anywhere. And when he gets his hands locked, that's it. Most of the time, he does a good job of doing that. I think where you're talking about is kind of a Max Mitchell-esque draft pick, middle rounds to uh, give a guy a chance to develop and, and learn on the job. I think he would be absolutely perfect for it. I think on top of that, he's going to have a friend on the team already and Michael Carter, a former teammate. So that's going to be cool for them if they were to be reunited. I think he would fit well, and I think he would definitely fit well in that mid-rounds to develop. My guy's a little bit on the other end of the spectrum. I think offensive tackle might be a little bit bigger of a need. And I think it could very well end up being our first pick uh, in the first round this year, being offensive tackle. We're still waiting on news from Becton. Fant's a free agent and injured. We're worried about how he's going to progress. Dwayne Brown is uh, under contract for another year, but he almost retired at the start of this season after an injury. And just because he's under contract doesn't mean that he may get to the end of this year and go, I don't know if I can do that for another year in a row. And that might be the end of Dwayne Brown. And as much as I'm a believer in Max Mitchell, anyone who listens to this show knows that, that as a believer of him, when I turned on the tape over the summer and as the year has gone on, in his limited action before he got hurt, I thought he was playing some really solid football and really could become a, a, a really good starter on this line. Richards, to me, if you know you're going to have the depth to let him grow, I think he'd be perfect. If you're a little worried about the health of the group overall, you're not quite sure about Dwayne Brown or if Dwayne Brown ends up retiring and Fant walks and we're wondering how Becton's going to come back and Mitchell, who's coming back from an injury at some point this season, likely to come back and play. But who knows how he's going to look? Who knows how healthy he's going to be leading into next year? And you're looking towards the top of the draft to get your answer at tackle. I think I have the guy and I think it's Olu Fashanu at Penn State. I'm not even going to try and attempt to pronounce his full first name. <laughs> so we're just forget that. We're just going to move past it. And he's going to be Olu from now on. Olu is a mammoth. This is a guy where it's a little bit closer, not quite in the same Makai Becton mold as that huge, but he's a big boy. He's when we get his exact measurements lined up here, pulled up. Like I believe six, it's six by. Yeah. He's at least three six six three twenty one. There you go. Six six three twenty one. Yeah. And he plays like it. And that's the most important thing is that he is a, a, a solid block. He doesn't look, you know, overweight. And for being that size, the one thing that I really liked with him is that he's explosive. He's not a lumbering athlete. When he wants to fire out of his stance and go, he goes. And he doesn't have to, you know, labor his entire body. He doesn't look clunky when on the move. And for our scheme being that zone scheme primarily, and even outside of that, we've seen the Jets run some more power concepts and some pitches where they get tackles out in front. Uh, I believe it was Braxton Berrios' touchdown, I think against the Dolphins, where they had a pitch play to the edge and Wayne Brown was lead blocking 15, 20 yards downfield. You know, our line, our linemen got to move. They can't just be complete and total stationary, you know, solid blocks of granite and Fashanu, he can move. And that's a really big part for me. He's inexperienced. And this is kind of the, the difference between him and a Richards where Richards, I think athletically, I think maybe isn't quite to the same par athletically as Fashanu, but he's more experienced and he's a little definitely more technically sound. Fashanu is only, this is his first year starting in 2022. He had, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he's young. He had played 
85 total snaps across four games as a freshman last year. Didn't allow any sacks or pressures as a freshman so far this season. I don't have his exact statistics off the top of my head, but he's been one of the better offensive tackles in the country this year. And he's been holding down that left tackle spot for Penn State very, very well. They run an offense that requires their linemen to move as well. It's also pretty pass heavy. He's got a lot of experience in pass protection. That's where he really shines to me is as a pass protector. He's got good length. His anchor is awesome. It's probably his best trait overall is his ability to anchor down, put his feet in the ground, get his legs out behind him. And when he tries to hold his ground, people don't move him. He he doesn't go anywhere, even when it's a second reaction. He had a play against Michigan. I was watching that game earlier today where it's a twist from Michigan where it's a, a TE stunt off the edge and he's a little late to react to the stunt. You'd like to see him pick up the looper a little bit quicker uh, and see it coming, but he does see it coming eventually and he's going to pick up and get in his way and he's sliding back out. He passes off insides, moves inside, sliding now back outside to pick up the looper and the looper goes for a bull rush and he gets into his chest. He gets into Fashanu's uh, chest and Fashanu you literally see him kind of take like one step back. He kind of hops a little bit, picks up his outside leg, give himself a little room, puts that outside leg behind him in the ground. And the second that leg touches the earth, he stops and completely stops in his tracks dead. Bull rush from this uh, defensive tackle, nothing, not going anywhere. That to me is huge when talking about offensive linemen, specifically offensive tackles. If, People can just get in your chest and bull rush you and run you back to the quarterback. It kind of doesn't matter anything else of what you can do. It, it kind of, it, it, it's, it's a really big stickling point for me where at some point you have to be a man. You have to have that strength and you have to be able to hold your ground against power. We've heard our own defensive line coach, Aaron White Cotton on the Jets talk about it uh, in one Jets drive this year, where statistically most of the sacks in the NFL are from power rushes and from just overpowering the guy in front of you. So if you can have a guy like Fashanu, who very, very well is able to hold up and anchor his ground and not move, I think it's a really big plus. You are going to have to go a little earlier for him because of the the athlete that he is, the type of athlete that he is, that athleticism is going to go high, and he's played very well despite being pretty inexperienced. So it really all depends on how bad of a need you have. If you're comfortable with Dwayne Brown and Becton and Mitchell, and you're looking to add depth to the group and maybe someone to take over in the future, I think Richards would be absolutely perfect. If you need somebody that can play right away and still have that development growth for the future to become, you know, a, a top of the line starter at their position in the NFL at some point down the road, I really like Olu Fashanu. I think his run uh, blocking, like we were saying with Richards, this is where they're pretty similar. His run blocking could be a little bit better. I'd like to see that same strength and anchor show up when he's trying to move people off their spot. And I was a little disappointed in that. I think he can be better. It's not a deficiency. It's a weakness. And we always talk about Matt, you can improve a weakness, but you can't improve a deficiency when it comes to Fashanu. I don't think he has any deficiencies and that's always a big plus. Give him some opportunity, give him more time to keep playing. And if you're looking in the middle of the first round, maybe middle end of the first round, depending on where the Jets draft pick ends up being, I would be pretty, pretty happy if we could see him in green next year. Okay. I could see it. I could see it for sure. Uh, I, then I, I start to think like, damn, how many offensive linemen are we going to take in the first round? All it it seems wild. All of them. <laughs> it, it's, 
I, I when I look at like other teams and how they develop their their offensive lines, uh, I, it seems like maybe one or two will be first round picks, and then the rest are kind of made up uh, with uh, a, a variety of of prospects from different rounds. But it seems like we're just dipping right into that first round to build the line. And it makes sense. Uh, it's probably the the most important thing on offense, other than the quarterback, because without that. There's no run game. Without that, there's not going to be a pass game. So yeah, you gotta you gotta use that offensive line, and and Olu kind of fits the mold of of the the offensive lineman that we've taken, uh, especially Beckton, uh, with just like a mauler. He's got a mean streak to him, uh, and he's got that incredible length and power, uh, which he uses too to his advantage. Uh, he he likes to to shoot those arms out, those long arms out. Uh, really get in the into defenders' chests and and really has some stopping power behind it too. Um, I'd like to see a little bit better uh, placement for from his hands. Uh, sometimes he can get a little wide, uh, and sometimes uh, and the, the defenders can take advantage of that. Uh, I do see the the rawness into his game. He does seem a little clunky at times. He looks a lot more comfortable going forward in the run game than he does. Uh, 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 going up the arc, uh, uh, he's done a good job. I don't think he's given up a sack this year at all. Uh, so he definitely has a lot of potential, and he's got the raw ability that you look for. Um, I for some reason I I I get I'm cautious about taking guys that need a little bit more development in the first round. I'd feel more comfortable taking those guys in the second round, uh, but. Sometimes when you have the raw ability that Olu has, it's you just have to go for it because when you have guys like Benton, coaches like Benton that can really teach these guys up, that's had to teach these guys up and quickly uh, because of the amount of injuries that we've had. Uh, I trust them to take a guy, uh, a piece of clay like Olu, and really mold him into a tackle of the future. Yeah, I think he could be that sort of player. And it's understandable that he's a little bit raw. He's a one-year starter, and he's not even through that first one year yet. So when you're a red only shirt a sophomore? redshirt, he's a redshirt sophomore, yes. So yep. this is his first full year as a starter. Like I said, he got in for four games as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman last season. Uh, 85 total snaps, I believe, is what it was. And he didn't give up anything. So that's always, you know, a plus when you're getting in early, you don't give up anything. Like we saw this year, we don't think he's given up a sack all year. There's definitely the, the, his deficiencies or his weaknesses to me will get better with experience where he's a little bit clunkier. Like we're saying compared to Richards where Richards is always so smooth in his set. He's never, don't really ever see him overset. You always see him in control. He's able to stay white on his feet and, and kind of mirror that pass rusher really, really well. Starting for three years, you would hope so. This, you know, going into your third yeah. year as a starter, you would really hope that you've gotten that timing down a little bit more in your head. Where Fashanu, I've seen a couple instances where he'll overset because he's expecting a speed rush to the outside and he knows he's got to get outside to match it. And he's so much more explosive than you would think, maybe even himself, he himself would think that he's going to have to get out to that edge where he fires off so far and so fast that it gives an open lane inside for him to get caught for counters. And I think that's where you'll see with experience where he'll know, Oh, I can be controlled. I don't have to completely sell out to the edge. I have the athleticism and the foot speed to be able to keep up anyway. And I can still keep my composure stay controlled and stay in the right position, stay technically sound. It is a risk. 
And I think that's where, you know, when you're looking at things as a whole, is there cleaner prospects in the first round you could take? I'm sure Peter Skaronsky at Notre Dame, uh, you know, technically sound, good athlete, all of that. He's the top of the class for a reason. I don't think he'll be available. And so I don't think there's any, uh, you know, any reason in, in trying to look for the absolute best of the best. I think if you're looking at this point in the draft when it comes to offensive linemen, for me personally, your best offensive linemen always go really early. After that, if it's going to be not going to be a mid-round developmental pick, I'm looking for athleticism and I'm looking for guys that can be molded into something great down the future, even if they're only something good right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just if you're drafting pure talent uh, at a such an important position like left tackle, uh, you'll never really hear anybody complain <laughs> because it's such an important position that you really can't mess around with it. Uh, so if there's any question at all, uh, yeah, go for it. I mean, this kid's only 19 years old, uh, so we would have him uh, for a very long time. Uh, and he has a long time to develop as well. Yeah, I think he could do. I think he could do really well. And to not say anything, take anything from away from your guy. I think Richards could do really well too. I think there's absolutely something to being a three-year starter, being a senior, having that experience of played, being having played in so many games, having the experience to watch yourself improve and study your own tape. And as I said, uh, you know, with him, he's gotten three years in a row where his sacks and pressure to, uh, totals have gone down every single year. And that's really, really good to see. That's something you would hope for for a future NFL player is that they know how to improve. Obviously, you have to be able to take coaching, and it's not all credit to the coaches for showing them what to do. It's credit to the players themselves as well for taking the coaching and working. I think Richards would be a great third-round pick for the Jets. I would absolutely love that. And if they don't go offensive tackle round one, then that's the, the lane I'm hoping they go to sure up this line. Yep. We'll just have to see what they do uh, in, in free agency first, see uh, or whether they keep Brown at all and or go elsewhere. Uh, it yep. seems like every single year, J.D. finds somebody off the scrap heap who's a very good left tackle, or, and and they play very well for us. Yeah, hopefully they can continue it. And if it's not a free agent, then hopefully it can be a, a draft pick. Matt, let's get to the defense. That is quite literally our only uh, position of the four that we have uh, on the offensive side of the ball being offensive tackle. We're pretty set at receiver. We're pretty set at running back. Once Brees Hall comes back healthy, we'll be extra set there. Quarterback, we're still waiting to see, but I don't think anyone's racing to the draft board to try and go uh, supplant Zach Wilson. I think he's still firmly the quarterback for right now in the future, and there's not going to be any discussion on that. Outside of maybe interior offensive line that I don't think is immediately pressing, tight uh, tight end group is fully stocked. This offense is good. It's going to be a defensive draft coming up for the New York Jets. That's what I think we both agree on. And I think the next position to talk about, you had alluded to it earlier, linebacker. This is where our coaching staff, specifically head coach Robert Sala, has made their bread and butter, has been coaching linebackers and turning these guys into some stars. We've seen the improvement from C.J. Mosley this year. We've seen the improvement from Quincy Williams. We've seen Quan Alexander get picked up in the summer and come and be a really nice force and part of this group. The problem is we don't know how long it's going to last. C.J. Mosley, as great as he's played this year, and I'm hoping that in the second half of the season he can continue to play that way and not kind of fall off like he did at the end of the year last year. He's still getting up there in age, and at some point he's going to need someone to come in and replace him. Quincy Williams, free agent. Quan Alexander, free agent. 
Are we going to keep both of them? Is one of them going to stay? Is one of them going to go? If so, which one? Either way, I don't think we're 100% sold, period, saying Quincy's going to be our will of the future and no one's. there's no point in ever giving him any competition. There's jobs for grabs, jobs up for grabs in this group. And I think the first guy we need to talk about is your guy, Matt, because he's pretty much our guy encompassing. This is a guy I was very, very high on when I was doing my summer scouting. I know I got you uh, in the fold as well. Go ahead and tell us about Jack Campbell at Iowa. Yeah, Jack Campbell. He's uh, that prototypical prototypical, uh, linebacker that you love to see on our defense. He's got the size. He's 6'5", 246. Uh, He's got long arms, 32-inch arms, uh, 79-inch wingspan. Uh, And he's, he's a gnat. He's a guy that you'll see flying around all over the field. If there's a tackle being made by him, he's there. If there's a tackle being made by somebody else, he's also there. He's everywhere. Uh, One of the most impressive things I saw from him was his ability in coverage, uh, specifically zone coverage, and his feel for when receivers are entering a zone uh, or for uh, just anything around him. He, He just has a knack for knowing where to be, and knowing when to close, he's got very good closing speed. He might not have the the fastest straight line long speed. Uh, he'll probably run somewhere in the four sixes, four sevens. Uh, but he's still very quick. He can hit the hole hard, uh, and he wraps up violently. Uh, he's uh, he he attacks the edge with speed and flexibility. He can dip. Uh, he's he reacts very well. He's got very good instincts. When it comes to linebackers, especially in our defense, uh, you want instincts. Uh, when you look at the guys that we might be losing between Quincy and Quan, uh, I see guys that are flying around the field. I see people that are filling holes uh, before they even really open up. Uh, and they're hitting with power and they're wrapping up. Uh, that's what I see in Jack Campbell. Uh, where he will be drafted, uh, that's uh, that's anybody's guess. I would say I have him right now as an early second round pick, uh, but you never know. Uh, they they could have him as their number one linebacker, or uh, or maybe maybe along the lines of where I have. Uh, so if we're drafting at the end of the first round, it wouldn't be surprising if they maybe take their number one linebacker. Uh, it, it's all who knows, but but at the same time, he, what he brings to the table. Is exactly what we need. Uh, it looks like the when we look at guys that we've drafted before in the fifth round and earlier for uh, linebackers so far, we have Sherwood and Nazaldine. These are uh, former safeties who really had more experience in in the uh, coverage than maybe in run support. Uh, Sherwood is kind of the the leader, the the guy that you can see supplanting uh, CJ at some point. Uh, but yeah, then you have Quincy and and Quan, and I think that Campbell would step right in and be a great replacement for either of these guys. Yeah, I think Campbell would absolutely fit that mold. He's not quite the same guy as you know a Quincy or a Quan, where they're smaller and they're faster. Uh, you know, they're more experienced in coverage. Not that he's bad in coverage. Like we said, his instincts are very good. I think he shuffles and is is a lot more agile and quick than you would expect for someone that's six five and two hundred and forty six pounds. But he can move, and he's aware, and his instincts, like you said, are absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic. 
He had a play I was watching earlier today against uh, Michigan where it's a, a simple mesh concept where you got two guys coming on like drags going in the uh, opposite directions over the middle. And then you have a sit down route that kind of comes behind them and sits over the middle in between. And Campbell was in zone coverage and his other linebacker number 44 to his right. And he calls out the mesh is coming. And he sees that his guy is going in and he's trying to pass off the mesh to this other linebacker. And he's trying to ID this other linebacker. Hey, get over, get over. You know, it's mesh. You're going to have a guy in your zone. And Campbell was able to shuffle inside, read it, and then get back outside to cover his drag route. And the other linebacker was late to react and didn't see it and allowed the sit down to come out behind him. And it was a first down for Michigan. And that was a play for me. It stuck out, even though Campbell didn't make the play and it was a bad play overall for the defense i thought it was a really good play by him to recognize the mesh coming get in his right position and try and tell his teammate what to do to be in the right position at the same time he can't cover two people at once you know he's doing about as much as you could hope for of trying to give his teammate a tip and tell him where to go to get in the right coverage and cover his own man at the same time i'm really hopeful that jack campbell can be someone that we add to this defense i think top of the second round maybe end of the first is right about his range And the one thing I want to say before I get to my guy, there needs to be someone in this linebacking core that can take on blocks. That's the problem for me, is that when you have all of these smaller, faster linebackers, that's all well and good. They fly around, they hit people hard, they fill holes really fast, and we've seen the Jets linebackers do a great job of that this year. But C.J. Mosley is about the only one that we have that'll get in on a guard's face and stick his nose in there and shove him out of the way, or at the very least, plug the hole and hold his ground and not get driven back. I think you need someone in your linebacking unit that's able to do that. And this is where I think Campbell would fit best as that Mike linebacker to kind of fill in for CJ, where if and when CJ moves on, I think Campbell would be the perfect guy to take over that mantra. And everyone knows I'm a Jamie and Sherwood stan. Not going to sit there and take anything away from him. But like you said at the start, he's a former safety. And as good as Sherwood is, he's at most 220 pounds. He's not going to be the guy you're going to be wanting taking on that trash inside and getting their faces mixed up with guards or tackles in the trenches and expect them to really hold up. I think that's where Campbell could really have a nice role as well as being a good player in coverage too. Hopeful for him. The guy I'm going to talk about is a little more of the classic Juan Quincy mold that I think is a little more likely the Jets might actually go after just because this is what we've seen them really emphasize. And that's Owen Papo at Auburn. Owen Papo, six foot one, 221 pounds, and is a heat seeking missile on the field. Dude is completely and totally lightning. Has great speed, whether it's closing speed downhill, closing speed to the edge, speed and coverage, you name it, dude can fly. That's going to be his calling card first and foremost, and it's going to help him in this defense. On top of that, he has absolutely no regard for his body whatsoever. And I mean that in the most positive way I can, where if you are going to be a smaller linebacker and you are going to have to get mixed around in some of that trash, you can't be you can't be passive. You can't play small. You can't just get bullied and dominated all over the field. And Papo, you know, credit to him. He tries his best. He's not always going to be the guy you want standing up, you know, on the inside, but it's not for any lack of effort and it's not for any lack of technique. He tries to shoot his hands inside. He has the willingness to come downhill full force and and throw all his weight into a block and disrupt them. I really like that aspect. And I think he was the, the ideal player when you're looking for that guy, if, and when you 
don't bring back Quincy Williams or Aquan Alexander that can be that gap shooter that see the read in front of him. You got the four badasses up front taking on the offensive line and all they need is to just wait for the crease to open and then come downhill and fill it and meet that running back head on. Owen Papo is going to be absolutely fantastic at that. I think he would do really, really well under our coaching staff. I think he would fit like a glove from a schematical standpoint as a, as a will or a Sam linebacker. And if, and when, like I said, Quincy or Quan doesn't come back, I think this guy would be, perfectly right up the alley to to join this team. And I don't think he's going to be that highly drafted either. I think because of that size, you know, he's not going to be seen as the total package at linebacker. And he's not as fast as he is. He's not otherworldly, next level, crazy fast. And he's also not on a defense that's getting a ton of recognition where a lot of those guys, you wonder, you know, how did this guy fall through the cracks? How did Fred Warner, you know, get discovered from, you know, out of nowhere to be the best linebacker in the league? Well, he was basically playing nickel at BYU and not going to be on any sort of highly regarded defense where you look at someone conversely, like a Roquan Smith at Georgia. Georgia is a nationally ranked team. Their defense was loaded that year, and Roquan was able to go top 10 despite being a smaller, fast linebacker because he had the recognition and the tape to back it up. I think Papo, not saying Papo's, you know, Roquan Smith or anything close to it, but I think he's a similar player with a similar play style and in a similar role to what Roquan was at Georgia. And I think he can be a similar player in the NFL if he gets to the right scheme where it's just small, fast, but absolutely explosive. It's going to knock your lights out when he hits you, too. Uh, I think he would fit perfectly. In terms of draft position, I'm expecting him to go somewhere in the late second to third round-ish, probably a solid third round pick. I think that would be a really, really good spot for him, for him to come to New York. I think he would do excellent under our staff. Yeah, the, this guy kind of fits our defense to a T. Uh, he, he's nicknamed himself, I think, the freak. Uh, and you can see why. He's got some natural elite athletic skill. Uh, I heard that he's reportedly run somewhere in the four fours for a 40 yard time. And I think he said somewhere that he thinks he could be even faster now. Uh, so if that would be wild, if he could break, break the four, four and be in the four threes uh, at what is he? He's like six, six, one, two, twenty, six, one, two, twenty five, two, twenty. Yeah. A, th- this guy can fly around uh, and he's a natural leader, too. Uh, so yeah, much in the mold of CJ, uh, if we lose CJ, who's really taking the the mantle as the leader, uh, who's going to be the freak and he would be that freak. Uh, he, he will hit you and then he'll keep going. He, yeah, like you said, he has zero regard for his own body. He will hit you and when he hits you possible. Absolutely. And you, you will feel it. He's twitchy. Uh, he's tough, and he's a very smart player. Uh, I think that he's got some, uh, some a few weaknesses. Uh, I think uh, even though he uh, he flies around and really is a freak athlete, uh, I think that yes, he could probably use a little bit more functional strength. Uh, we we're talking about taking on blockers. Uh, if you if you have an offensive lineman really getting into his pads. I don't see him really disengaging. Uh, I I think that that functional strength. He's he's more of the guy that's gonna that's gonna try to avoid 
the block. He's going to try to dip around tackles right. to make tackles. He's not going to be the guy that takes them on squarely and 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 uh, hold them off with his thirty three inch arms, uh, kind of like a two gapper. He, he's not going to do that. That's not his game. Uh, but if he can increase his strength there at all, uh, that would be a huge plus. Uh, and it's, he's got the body size and the athletic ability to build off of and become even more than what he already is. And what he already is is a natural leader that would fit in our defense perfectly. Yeah, 100%. He'd be a, a perfect fit like a glove fit in this locker room with this team, with this culture, with this attitude. You know, that's Owen Papo to a T. I think he would be perfect for it. And there's another aspect to it where I think we're really seeing it. And I'm going to attribute this to Quan Alexander, but I think it can be said for all three of the linebackers. But I think Quan is really what kind of inspired it. Your defense needs some enforcers. You need some guys that, you know, offensive players are going to fear. And I think back to the preseason when Quan had that hit going to the edge uh, against the Giants, where he absolutely mm-hmm. blew up that pitch play and it was all over Twitter and social media and everywhere with Quan Alexander decoying people. He's done that a few times this year where he gets in pursuit and he gets an opportunity to lay a shot on somebody and he absolutely just crushes them and it inspires your whole defense. It gets everybody hyped up. It gets everybody gets the juices flowing and you need some guys like that on your defense. Defense is such a, a difficult job and it's such a, a, a violent you know side of the ball. Football in general is violent, but when you are the defender, you are looking to instill pain. You are looking to instill fear in offensive players and I think if you lose a Quan Alexander or a Quincy Williams in free agency, that you're going to need someone to have that same level of intensity and be that enforcer. I think Papo would be perfect for it. Yeah, I agree. All right, Matt, let's move on to, you know, let's go to the interior of the defensive line. I think this is a, a quiet need for the Jets overall because their defensive line has played really well. But in all reality, it's been mainly Quinn and Williams. And Quinnen Williams mm-hmm. is playing like an all pro, but he cannot be the only interior defender that we have on that line. Sheldon Rankins has had a really solid year as well, but he's now injured. Also an older veteran. We don't know how long. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent after this year as well. Um, you know, we don't know what his future is going to be like. And after that, it's Solomon Thomas. It's Nathan Shepard. It's Jonathan Marshall. It's a whole lot of question marks. We really don't have any anyone set in stone to kind of fill that role and be Quinnen's Robin for lack of a better word. So I'm going to go ahead and lead things off here uh, with my guy in the interior, not quite the expected mold that you would think for a defensive tackle in our scheme, but Siaki Aika at Baylor for how large he is as a sort of quote unquote nose tackle at six, four and 358 pounds the dude can get after the passer and he Mm -hmm. is more than just a, you know, true zero tech nose tackle. That's going to two gap and, and not get moved and make plays in the run game and then not do anything on pass downs or God forbid, come off the field. I don't think you got to take this guy off the field. I think he is one of the rare three down nose tackles that can use that same sort of power and, and strength and mass to hold up an anchor and not be moved off their spot to also get under their pads and push people in front of them. On top of that, he plays with a lot more quickness than you would expect for someone that's 360 pounds. He can shoot gaps. He can read what's in front of him 
and know what split between alignment is coming. If it's a, an outside zone play and he can knife under someone and get in the backfield, he can, he had a rep last year. I forget which team it was, but he was a guy that stood out for me in summer scouting when he's lined up at three tech and he's on the outside shoulder of the guard and off the snap, he uses literally, it's like Quinnen's favorite move too. It's the, the swipe O lay arm over where you start on the outside and you swim club and go over to the inside. And he beats the guard cleanly and got a sack on it. And that's not an easy move to pull off period, let alone someone that's 360 to have the, the agility and the explosion to be able to do that. I think he would be a, an awesome piece for this defensive line. I think having a guy like that frees up everybody else in other roles, none more so than Quinnen Williams. Cause I think Quinnen Williams has had to play a lot more shade one tech and, and not quite true. No tackles. The jets don't do that too often, but he's had to be in the role to try and be not the, the penetrating three tech that we all want him to be as good as Quinnen has been. And he's been awesome. I think he could be even better if he gets more freedom to play in that position. And if you have a guy like Ika next to him, I think that'll really free him up to do so. So I'm all on board with Siaki Ika, where he's going to be drafted. I think he could be a first round pick off my grades. I don't know if he's actually going Mm. to be a first round pick though. And this is kind of the, you know, where I would rank a player versus where, you know, he'll be drafted may not be exactly the same in a match, but I think this dude's a first round talent and top of the second round, end of the second round, if that's where he ends up going and that's where the Jets take him, I'm overjoyed with that. So I have an early second round grade on him uh, only because of his year so far this year. I think that last year uh, was kind of his peak and where you could see him firing on all cylinders in the run game. And as a pass rusher, uh, this year he's kind of taken maybe a little bit step back. You still see every bit the athleticism and the strength in his game. It's all still there. Uh, he just hasn't been hitting so much. Uh, he's missed a, a, lot, a lot of tackles this year. Uh, I don't think he has a sack yet. I think he had six last year, five or six. Yeah, sacks four last, last year. year. He doesn't have any yet this year. Four. So he's definitely taken a step back with the stats. Uh, so maybe some teams will. Uh, cool off on him thinking that uh, he wasn't uh, as consistent uh, and uh, it got worse in his senior year rather than getting better. So I could see that dropping him a little bit. But again, you look at his tape uh, this year and you still see the same guy. The guy that's 6'4", 350, that's able to knife through tiny little phone booth holes uh, and get to running backs. Uh, he's not the long, he doesn't have the longest arms in the world. Uh, so I can see him, uh, struggling to make tackles away from, uh, his immediate, uh, tackle radius. Uh, but at the same time, he is a bull up front. He will take on double teams routinely and hold up against those double teams. He doesn't get pushed back. It's very hard to push this guy back. Uh, and yes, like you said, he's quick. He's very quick for a guy his size. Uh, and when you kind of mesh all that together, you got a guy that has a lot of potential. Uh, whether I take him in the first round, that's probably a little too rich for me. Uh, but second round, for sure. I would I would look at this guy right away uh, because we alluded to it. Q can't be the only guy we rely on. God forbid something happens to Q. If he ever got hurt, who's filling in for him? There's nobody that can replicate what Q does. And I don't think that 
uh, he can. That uh, Ika can uh, uh, replicate it either. But at the same time, he is a guy that garners a lot of attention from from offenses, whether it's double teams or triple teams. Uh, they are spending extra time trying to stop him. Uh, and that's also a thing that's happened a lot more this year. I see a lot more double teams and triple teams uh, trying to get in his face and stop him before he ever gets going. Uh, so that also attributes to his lack of stats this year. Uh, but yeah, I, I can definitely see it. Uh, it, it we, we look back at Fatukasi, uh, who was also a nose tackle that didn't really fit our our new defense the way that we would have hoped. Uh, he again fit more of the mold of a, of a natural nose tackle who really just uh, two gaps. He, he, he's able to hold and uh, hold up the point of attack and really shoot uh, whichever gap uh, the runners are running through. Uh, but yeah, when he's asked the one gap and really penetrate, that wasn't really his game. Uh, but I can really fit that mold to, to yes. Yeah, I think he can. I, I think he's a better pass rusher than Foley ever was already. And not that that's too high of a bar to clear, but when we're talking about nose tackles, having that pass rush value is is crucial. And like you said, he's not the type of guy that could ever, you know, replace Quinnen Williams. But I don't think that's why you're drafting him. I think you draft him to assist Quinnen Williams more than you draft him to replace Quinnen Williams and free Quinnen up to do what Quinnen does best. I'd be all for it. Like I said, he's going to get like a, a a mid to late first round grade from me. Draft actual, you know, where he's going to get selected, draft status and and selection might be a little bit later. I could see second round for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a second round pick, but I'm I really like the talent. Matt, your guy, I'm going to be honest, I like even better. And and we need to start telling the world about this dude because he is not getting talked about enough and he should be. He's probably going to be a top 15 player on my board. Yeah, he right now is my number two uh, interior defender. Uh, and that's Tyler Davis from Clemson. Uh, a lot of people really talk up his uh, his uh, teammate, uh, Brian Brees. Uh, but I think Davis is the better player. Uh, he from is. Last year and this year especially. Uh, I see a faster, more explosive player. I see more consistency. I see ankle bend from a guy that is what he's like six two, three hundred pounds. Yeah, uh, classic got, three tech mold. This is the yeah. guy that fits our defensive line. This is the classic, you know, Robert Sala interior defender that you'd be looking for. I think he would do wonders in a defense like ours that has a rotation. Uh, you're able to keep him fresh, keep him explosive, uh, and he's uh, he's got the strength too to really hold up against the run. Uh, he he really has a, a knack for seeking out uh, the ball carriers wherever they are, whether they get lost behind offense, big offensive linemen. He has a knack for finding them and bringing them down. Uh, he's got a, a motor that doesn't stop, uh, and he's got plays with a little bit of an edge too. Uh, so I always like defenders with a little bit of an edge, uh, or just in general anybody that plays with an edge. Uh, just kind of fits what we want to do as a team uh, and that is get in your face uh make your life hell and they would do it with a smile uh, you, you got guys like clemens you got guys like you you got guys like our linebackers juan who will lay you out and you got our our, our swaggy new secondary 
he would add some more swag to that group. Uh, and he would do it with uh, a lot of power and a lot of, of athleticism. And now uh, he is more in the mold of what Q does. So if you're rotating Q out and Davis in, boom. There's definitely going to be a drop-off because not many people can do what Q does. Uh, but at the same time, he does a lot of the same things, and he does it very well. Yeah, I agree. I think he could do about as good a job as you could hope for of replicating a Quinn and Williams when Quinn and Williams is not in, uh, if he were to be part of a rotation. I also think he could do a good job playing next to Quinn and Williams because the one thing I love about Tyler Davis more than anything else is that he does everything. He's not, you can't really just put him in, you know, one sort of a mold of an interior guy where, oh, he's just a run stuffer. or Oh, he's just a, a penetrating three tech. It's like, doesn't matter what you want him to do. He's going to do it. And at the very least, he's going to do a solid job. There's some things that he's exceptional at, but I don't think he's poor in any area. And it's really, really hard as a prospect to be that clean across the board. And it's a shame that he plays next to Brian Brees. Because Brian yeah. <laughs> Brees is a as a high five star, you know, top of the class high school recruit going to Clemson of all places is going to draw all of the attention and all of the the hype from the media. We'll be the first to tell you Tyler Davis is better than Brian Brees, and and it's not even a competition in my mind. It's not even it's not even close in my mind. And Brian Brees is a great athlete. I don't think he's that great of a football player. I don't think in terms of technique and and field awareness and this is not going to be a you know a crap on brian Bree show that's not the point but tyler davis is so much better at playing football and playing defensive tackle than brian breeze and he deserves to get that recognition like his own teammate because he's played some awesome football for years on end now he's a, a fourth year senior he's been i'm pretty sure he's a starter as a freshman and you know he's played four years he's been solid if not great you know, throughout all of them, he's really improved this last year. He's up to four sacks so far. He's a sack and a half away from his career high. And his potential, I think there's it. I don't think he misses is what I'm trying to say is that I think yes. Tyler Davis is about as bust proof as you could hope for from an interior lineman, where at the very least, you know, for sure, this guy is going to be a solid player. He may not ever be. Top of the league, you may not ever be Quinnen Williams or Aaron Donald or Jeffrey Simmons or you know anybody like that, but he is going to be a a lunch pail interior defensive lineman that's going to do his job and do it well. And when you need someone to get after the quarterback, he can do it. I think, like you said, he's got some surprising flexibility where you wouldn't expect a, uh, an interior guy to be able to try and turn corners and dip and bend edges, but he's able to do that. I think he's got really good strength when he gets his pads inside and he wants to move you, you move. When he wants to be quick and he wants to shoot a gap, like we were talking about with Ika, he can do that too. When you want him to to two gap and anchor and hold his ground, he does that. You want him to chase guys to the edge. Effort and motor with this guy is absolutely through the roof. His motor burns at 100 million degrees and it never cools off. He's got that going for him. I'm a huge Tyler Davis fan. I am an absolute, absolute Tyler Davis fanboy. And I would love for the Jets to, to add this guy to their defensive line. I think he would be the perfect piece to go along with guys like Jermaine Johnson and Carl Lawson and Quinnen Williams and, and just be another ass kicker on the inside. That's it's <laughs> it's kind of hard to, you know, come up with so many different ways to describe, you know, the same thing. But he just does his job. 
does his job very well, has the flash explosiveness, you know, look at this amazing play when you want him to, when you just need a guy that's going to hold his ground and make the two yard tackle on first down, he's going to do that too. Um, I love this guy. I absolutely love Tyler Davis. And I really, really hope that he'll be playing in green and white next year. Cause I think he's, he'd fit and he'd fit the locker room. Like we were talking about with a uh, Owen Papo a linebacker, that motor never shuts off that, you know, that attitude of, I don't care if I'm, you know, starting as a defensive tackle and there's a screen pass, you know, to the other opposite hash from me, I'm going to be one of the guys chasing it down. I'm going to be one of the guys running full speed. And when it comes to the next place, sub me right in, I'm going to do it again. You give this guy an opportunity to get into a rotation as well and really keep fresh throughout the whole game. Look out. I think his I think his best football is ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for Jalen Carter, uh, he would definitely be my number one uh, defensive interior player. Uh, not that I don't want to drag down Reese too much, uh, but I, I I have him as my number three interior defensive lineman, so I I can't tr- trash him too much. Uh, but yeah, just seeing these two next to each other, I thought it was always clear who which one was better, uh, and I really never understood why he didn't wasn't getting the talk uh, as his teammate was. Uh, I really hope that changes, or maybe not. Maybe uh, maybe it stays quiet, and that will push him down the draft board a little bit more, uh, which I wouldn't mind either if we can grab him in the second round. Uh, but I don't think so. I think he's going to be uh, at the end of the first round uh, kind of guy, uh, which is right where we'll probably be picking, hopefully. So I, I think it just fits our defense perfectly. Uh, I hope it happens. You know who he reminds me of? And I'm kind of kicking myself for not seeing this earlier because it's so easy with the Clemson connection that I never made this connection in my brain. He's Christian Wilkins. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that for sure. It's, it's the same sort of body type, you know, 6'2", 300-ish, and does their job on every play, plays the run well, gets after the quarterback, motor burns at a hundred million mile uh, degrees. You know, it's he's like Christian Wilkins all over again. And I know Dolphins fans are pretty happy with Christian Wilkins. I think Jets fans would be pretty happy with Tyler Davis, too. I think so. All right, let's get on to our last position here. That is going to be safety. The safety position for the Jets has definitely seen some improvement this year as opposed to years prior. Uh, but unfortunately, LaMarcus Joyner at plus 30 years old as, you know, nice rebound year for him. But I don't think any one of us are expecting this to carry on and be the Jets safety of the future for the next handful of years after that. Jordan Whitehead's probably got the other spot, I would assume, pretty locked down, although he did only sign a two year deal. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens at the end of next year, if he ends up re-signing or if the Jets are going to need another new starter at safety. Either way, this is a need. Ashton Davis, we're still, you know, jury's still out on him. I know the Jet staff is is happy with him and glad they kept him. And after the Cleveland game, when he got the game ceiling interception, they had said, you know, this is why he made our 53 and we believe in him. I agree with all of that. But Ashton Davis has also had a handful of years to improve and the Jets felt the need to go out and sign a free agent safety and second 31-year-old LaMarcus Joyner was healthy again. He got the job back. So I'm not quite sure we can sit here and rely on Ashton Davis. Tony Adams is a UDFA who made the squad this year as a rookie. Awesome for him. Glad that he made it as a UDFA. Haven't really seen much action from him. He's been more of a depth piece. Uh, pretty much the the most I can remember from him in the regular season is getting beat by Amari Cooper on a corner out, which if you're a UDFA safety against Amari Cooper, that's expected not to hold anything against Adams for that. But this is a need. 
is definitely a big need on this team. Matt, go ahead and tell us who you got at safety because I'm really excited to talk about my guy, but I want to hear about yours first. So this year's safety class, I'm not really that impressed with. Uh, I see a lot of guys that can maybe catch on uh, and be solid guys uh, and maybe even develop into being uh, long-term starters. But a lot of these guys I see mostly starting in the second round. I don't see any first-round talent. Uh, but one of my guys, uh, maybe a late second, early third-round pick, uh, Akeem Dent from Florida State. Uh, he, he has a, another t- a teammate, Jamie Robinson, who I also really like. I, I like the the two of them working together. Uh, they they both uh, have a great skill set. I think Dent is a little bit taller. He's six one, about two hundred pounds. Uh, he's great in coverage. Uh, I love seeing him attack the catch point. He's very violent. Uh, he's, his hands are very good going for the ball. Uh, he plays a great center field. So for looking to replace Joiner, uh, I like him. Uh, he's already played center field for. Florida State in their Tampa 2 defense, uh, and he does it very well. Uh, he's got great eyes. Uh, in this defense, you need great eyes. If you don't have uh, good eyes, you're you're going to be missing a lot. Uh, you're you're not going to be able to follow your your assignments the way you need to. Uh, I remember I for, was it Wes Austin. I remember yep. uh, having really bad time with with his eyes. And and it showed, and he was kind of abused because of it. Uh, in this secondary, those eyes will either kill you or bless you. And uh, I love Dent's eyes. Um, and he's a, a good tackler too. He uh, he'll get his nose in in the, into a ball carrier's face. Uh, and he's got some some heft behind his hits as well. Uh, he's got some edge also. Uh, like I said before, I love guys that play with a little bit of edge. Uh, he's got good field vision. He's got good instincts. He knows uh, when to click and close. He's got uh, pretty good closing speed. Uh, but he does show a little some hesitancy when he approaches tackles, uh, which I hope that he can, can figure out a little bit. Uh, kind of like with Sherwood, where he'll put himself in the right place, uh, and he, but he'll be a little hesitant to really get in there and make the tackle. Uh, I, as he, if he can really get over that hesitancy, hesitancy and trust his ability, uh, I think he'll be even better uh, in run defense and as a tackler in general. Uh, but I think he already has what we need uh, in coverage uh, as a deep uh, safety. Uh, uh, maybe not so much uh, in the box, uh, but I, I think he is a movable piece. You can put him in the slot. Uh, I think he'll do fine. Uh, manned up against tight ends and or running backs. Uh, I, I I like him a lot. Yeah, I like Dent too. And like we were talking about with Asim Richards and Michael Carter, he's going to have a fellow teammate in Jermaine Johnson, former Seminole himself, if he were to come to Gang Green. He's already got some familiarity there. Uh, like I echo everything you said. Really solid as a deep defender. I think that's where he's definitely at home is as a center field free safety. And that's really where you're looking to replace. If you're the Jets, you're hoping that Joyner can continue to play well and continue to, you know, not lose a step and and keep his speed. But there's no guarantee about that. And so you're really looking for his heir apparent to be that single high safety, which how much single high the Jets run. You know, they really they stay at a too high pretty 
pretty much exclusively. There was a couple of games this year where they've ran it more, but even then it was start too high and then we're going to rotate down. They really want to be a single high team. They want to have that that deep safety uh, patrol in the back end. And especially with the way their corners are playing right now, and we expect them to be around for a pretty long while, those safeties are going to get targeted a lot. And the middle of the field is going to be, you know, where teams are going to be looking to attack more often than not. So you got to have some good safeties that can cover and be aware and not get caught out of position. And I think Dent fits that role really well. He's got four pass deflections on the year, uh, 27 total tackle or 27 solo tackles. That's always big safeties. You want to be able to, as the last line of defense, you want them to wrap up. You want them to be in the right position. But the one thing you mentioned was that that hesitancy where they get he gets himself into the right spot and it's that little bit of the the half second of a wait of the am i right okay i am right and now i get the opportunity to go and make the tackle and that little bit of hesitancy sometimes is all it takes between a tackle and a miss and for me at least it can be improved with coaching and i think when you were were talking about sherwood the thing with sherwood that i always attributed to was he was playing so many positions at once that it was taking him the second to make sure that he was doing the right thing, given all the other things that he had to remember with Dent, He's a little more in his same spot. And you would hope that at this point, you know, being a, a four year, uh, four year starter, he had an injury in 2020 uh, that granted him an extra year of eligibility. So four years make really three years, but with his experience and the time he's had, you would hope that that hesitancy would, would be a little bit lessened. And that's kind of my negative with him. I do think he would fit the defense really well. I do think that when he does look to strike, that he's not too passive about it and that he can have that little bit of enforcer to him that we were talking about earlier. In terms of where he would be drafted, like you said, Matt, this safety class overall is not anything amazing. I really don't think there's any first round picks among the group. Like you said, I think Dent would be a solid late second, early third. Uh, third round pick. I feel like we're saying that for a lot of these guys. <laughs> it's kind of hard because the Jets aren't going to have, you know, 45 third round picks. <laughs> but this is, I think that would be a good range for him. I think he would fit really well. The guy I want to highlight is a little bit on the other end of the spectrum in some ways and, and has some similarities in others. And that's Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. Now, Antonio Johnson is the quote unquote consensus top safety but I think it's kind of hard to have a consensus top safety when the group overall is not that incredibly talented. Not to knock anything from Johnson as we're about to, to speak highly of him in a little bit, but none of these guys are, are blowing away first round picks. I don't feel, you know, I absolutely adored Lewis scene last year, Matt. I know I'm pretty sure you felt the same way. I don't think any of these guys are Lewis scene. I don't think any of these guys are, are even close to that. I don't think any of these guys are Daxton Hill even. And I'm not, I had my feelings on Kyle Hamilton. I like Kyle Hamilton. I didn't love Kyle Hamilton. I don't even think any of these guys really are baby Kyle Hamilton. That's it. For what Antonio Johnson is and for what the Jets defense needs, I think it could be a match made in heaven. When you look at Antonio Johnson, he's six foot three, he's 195 pounds. And he plays all over the field for Texas A&M. He plays free safety. He plays strong safety. He plays slot corner. He plays linebacker every now and again. He blitzes off the edge. You know, this guy does it all. And like Jamie and Sherwood, who I fell in love with for the same reason, coaches don't just let guys do that. 
you have to earn that right. You have to be trusted enough to handle all of those roles and not be expected to get caught out of position or expected to know your job, depending on where you are on the field. You know, there's a lot of trust from coaches when guys are that versatile. And it really, it shows up to me and it's a sign of respect and it's a sign of intelligence. If they're going out and performing well and they're matching on the field, they're not getting caught out of position. That to me says this guy knows ball. This guy can understand coaching. He can understand the collective defense and where each person's role in that defense fits. And it's really a big plus. And you look at him on the field on top of just where he lines up. Dude is a, a missile when he gets going in, in a straight line. His speed really kind of blew me away for being six foot three and 195 pounds. When he sticks his foot in the ground and he comes downhill, it's full speed lights out. Reminds me of Lewis Cena a little bit, not quite to the same violence and ferocity and and, and outright explosiveness that Cena had, but it's it's pretty close. And he's got some some rockets up his butt for sure. On top of that, I think he really excels in man coverage. And that was one thing that stuck out for me where I've kind of adjusted looking at the Jets specifically as we're doing for the show and not my overall grades that are separate from that. But just looking at fit for the Jets specifically, the one thing that I did not expect from them this year that we've seen is that they will let they will let and they will expect their safeties to play man coverage, let alone against tight ends and running backs against full blown receivers, too. And we've seen a handful of opportunities where Joyner has been on the receiving end of a, a a Jerry Judy deep cross in Denver where he gets matched up one-on-one and he's having to come downhill and kind of pick up Judy over the middle and he can't keep up and run with him. That's an opportunity where I think a guy like Antonio Johnson would really, really fit well where he can be the deep safety. He's done that. He's been pretty good at it. I wouldn't say he's amazing, but he's been pretty good. And especially with our cornerbacks on the outside, we're not needing our deep safety to always play help and make up for our corners like we have in years past. We can kind of have our corners make up for our safeties a little bit now. So I look at a guy like Johnson, I think he's a matchup weapon. And I think having a guy that's comfortable having Johnson's fully started games at nickel corner for Texas A&M, where a guy can be a full-time corner and he can also be your free safety. You can trust that he's going to be fine in man coverage on those handful of reps a game. When you get into a third down and you want to send a blitz and you want to trust that, whoever you have playing safety is going to be able to hold up on their own one-on-one for those couple of snaps a game. I think Johnson could do it on top of that. And this might be my favorite thing about him overall, like with Owen Papo and you're, you're sensing a theme here with guys. I like Matt absolute recklessness, absolute freaking recklessness. The dude is about that action is the best way that I can say it where he's coming downhill and he's got a tight end looking to block him. Okay. Tight end. I'm going to run through your face. I'm not waiting to take on your block. I'm not scared. I'm going to come in and I'm going to try and hit you offensive tackle coming on a pitch play. And I'm going to have to come up and, and you're expecting to take me on and knock me out of the screen. Okay. Mr. Offensive tackle. We'll see about that because I'm going to get my hands in your chest. I'm going to hold my ground. I'm going to throw you out of the way and I'm going to make the tackle for loss. Things like that to me, you don't teach. That's attitude. That's effort. That's that's being a defensive player. And there's some guys that are just born to be defensive players because they have that killer instinct. And I think Johnson has it. The negative with him, and this is kind of the opposite of where we were talking about with Dent, is that he can be a little over aggressive. And there's times when he thinks he's got the right read and he goes full speed and he's trying to, you know, come in like a, a bat out of hell and blow something up. 
and he reads the wrong gap and he gets caught in the right position, ball goes besides him and he misses the tackle. There's other times where it's almost like he trusts his athleticism a little too much, where you'll see it'll be the ball will be snapped and he'll be reading as a free safety in the middle of the field. And it's almost like a full second goes by before he moves his feet. And he's just standing still waiting and watching and reading what's going on in front of him and then going, okay, well, I have enough speed and enough talent that once I see what's going on, I don't have to anticipate what's going on as much. I'll just be able to run to it and I'll be fine. That's a problem. And that's, that's something that the NFL is going to expose. If he cleans that up, and this is where I want to propose this as a, as a potential to you, Matt. Mm-hmm. If he were to clean that up, and argument's sake, LaMarcus Joyner is able to play next year. And yeah. we're comfortable keeping him as the starter. I think Antonio Johnson would be the perfect guy that you bring in, that you sub in when you get some unique packages as a rookie. You let him come in. If you want to play a big nickel and have him be your nickel guy, I think he could do that. You want to play a dime defense and have him be one of the sub linebackers, I think he could do that. You want to play, you know... a. Uh, uh, quarters coverage jets played a lot of quarters and you just need someone that's going to be in the middle of the field, keep their eyes in front of them and, and match on anybody that trying that's trying to go over the deep middle. I think he can play that well, but I think if you give him a year, especially in practice and especially with our coaches to iron out that aggressiveness and to iron out the, I don't need to anticipate. I can wait to see what's going to happen for sure. And then just make up for it with my speed. I think if you give him a year to try and learn, especially under guys like Omarcus Joyner and Jordan Whitehead and our uh, and our uh, coaching staff, I think he could be really, really special as a free safety, especially as a, a like a Jimmy Ward clone for the Jets. I think he would be like really, really well in that role, and he just needs a little bit of coaching and time to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I really like him in that jack of all trades. Uh, defensive back role uh, where he can show his change of direction and ability to mirror underneath uh, whether it's in press or off coverage uh, or uses ball skills and tracking the ball effectively and as a deep safety uh, or just using his reckless uh, closing speed and, and uh, ability to come downhill uh, in the box. Uh, he can really do it all. Um, and yeah, I, I I think he can be what we kind of hoped Ashton Davis would be. We yep. Davis coming out, he played the slot, he played the uh, free safety, he played in the box, he kind of did it all as well. Uh, he had a lot of athleticism. Uh, I believe uh, uh, Antonio Johnson's probably a little bit bigger at was he six four. 200 He's or something listed at 63195 so it'll be interesting to see when he gets to the combine what he measures in at but listed mm-hmm. at 63195 he looks I, I would say he probably looks 62 on the field but we're splitting hairs here we're splitting hairs here either way he's got good size he's got good speed uh he's got good recognition and coverage uh actually i just take that back because i was about to say one of a negative i i have for him is that uh he sometimes does get is, is susceptible to uh, double moves uh, and uh, and play fakes. He'll bite on those a lot. Uh, and uh, but I mean that's again we're just splitting hairs here. I feel like uh, with time that can be ironed out. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't give him too much responsibility right away. 
but yeah, big nickel uh, and some some other packages. I could see him coming in, uh, being a valuable piece of this the, the defensive back group, and then in the future taking on a bigger role, maybe replacing Joiner outright. I don't know how you feel, Matt, but for me personally, I would rather teach a guy to rein in their aggression than teach a guy to be aggressive in the first place. I think yeah, it's a I don't lot think you harder. Can really teach aggressiveness, right? Exactly. I don't think you can really teach it. I think it's either something you have or you don't. And if you're going to be that type of guy that's that has that recklessness, that has that balls to the wall mentality, that's all gas no brakes, for lack of a better saying, I think it's a lot easier or let alone easier, I think it's only possible to have a guy that's like that and try and rein them in a little bit as opposed to taking someone that's the controlled, calculated technician that you know does everything right and doesn't ever try and be aggressive and make mistakes and teach them to have that aggression and teach them to to have that recklessness and give away the care for their body. And, and when you're a safety coming downhill and there's an offensive tackle in front of you looking to block you, to not even have the, the thought in your mind of I'm going to slow down or I'm going to try and, and go around around somebody i'm just going to take them head on and i'm just going to try and knock them out I, I really i love that mentality in defenders it's what i look for uh, it's it's a big part of my grades where it's not a necessity but especially in the nfl playing defense if you're playing defense with with how good the offenses are with how talented they are with how strong and tough these offensive linemen are in the nfl you cannot be passive as a defender you can't You'll get eaten alive in this league if you try and play scared and play passive. And that's the the farthest thing from what I can say with Johnson is there was not an ounce of passive or or scared on his tape when I was watching. Yeah, uh, I agree. He He's a guy that gets dialed in. Uh, he's got that edge. Um, yeah, I, I, you, you kind of want that on uh, as a defender. You don't want somebody that's going to be timid and scared uh, and play uh, lower than his opponent. He, he wants somebody that's going to step up to the challenge and follow through. Absolutely. And I really think that's what this team is all about. When you look at the culture of this team and, and how they're built and how they've operated, especially this year, you can't, no one on that team thought that they weren't going to be, you know, anything but as good as they are right now. And no one on this team is scared, you know, having a, a tough loss against the Patriots. And the very next week they go against the Buffalo Bills and as talented as they are, and they beat the Buffalo Bills because they weren't scared. They go into Cleveland a week after having a tough loss to Baltimore at home to open the season, and they're not scared. And they come out full firing. They go to Pittsburgh, which is historically a very, very tough environment to win, coming off a bad loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. And they aren't scared, and they come out swinging, and they don't go down. They go into Green Bay. No one expects them to be able to win. Lambeau's arguably one of the best home field advantages in the NFL, and especially with Rodgers, it's been that way for years now, even more so than it already was. No fear, no hesitation. Quincy Williams is suplexing Aaron Jones to start the game. That's the mentality that this team thrives off, and I think Johnson and Papo and uh, – basically my not to to say anything against your guys because i like all <laughs> of your guys i do but i'm i look for that dog and you know maybe it's not the most technical scouting in the world of you know looking for guys that have the dog in them but i really think it's important especially on defense i think davis has the dog in him i think he would be uh yeah, Tyler uh, davis, definitely yeah. Fit that mold along the defense davis line. fits that mold for sure and so does campbell and, and so does campbell 
All right, Matt. I think that does it for this week. It has been a fun bye week. It has been nice to not have to stress over whether the Jets are going to continue to be good or not and wonder if this is the end and if it has already passed us by. We can just look ahead. They got a really, really big game against New England coming up next week, and hopefully they'll be able to overcome, supplant themselves as first place in the AFC East. That would be absolutely awesome. But if not, and regardless of how the end of this season goes, we know that there's hope for the future. There's likely to be some really nice draft picks. If Joe Douglas's recent class is any indication, we know that that dude knows how to how to draft, and there's going to be some solid players that fit positions that we're going to need in the near future. This is only the beginning, and you know it's kind of hard to sit here mid-season and be talking about the draft and looking for the future and and what happens next when we're not even finished with what happens now. But the future is bright. I'm excited to get to draft season, even if I don't want the season to end quite yet soon, because there's going to be some good players in this class, and I think Joe Douglas is going to find them. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a completely different uh, mindset this year. I mean, as draft guys, we're always looking at the draft. It's always on our mind, uh, whether it's front and center as it is, in years past where it's kind of out of necessity because there's nothing else to really hang our hats on or this year where everything's going right right now. And it doesn't make sense to a lot of people to really look towards the draft. Uh, but at the same time, I always looking to how we can make this team better. Uh, and this team is already very good. And I think it's just a matter of retooling uh, and bringing in some depth. Uh, behind a lot of the guys we already have uh, and just going forward from there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's taken a very, very long time, but the Jets are finally in a position where at the end of the year, they're not going to be looking to rebuild. They're going to be looking to reload. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. You can follow the show at OKD Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Matt, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. Thank you one more time for tuning in, as always. And we'll be back next week to review Jets at New England Patriots, hopefully with a win, hopefully sitting at seven and three, and hopefully all things considered, fingers, toes, eyeballs, tongues, and everything else crossed, first place in the AFC East. What a time to be alive. Thank you again, and we'll be back real soon. Bye-bye.